Holy and loving God, write a message on our hearts. Bless us, direct us, and send us out. Living letters of the word. Amen. Almost exactly three years ago, while I was serving as associate rector at Calvary Church in Memphis, Tennessee, after a lot of prayer and conversation and discernment, I believed that I was called to serve as rector of a parish church once again. I'd served as a curate in a large parish, as the rector of a very small parish in rural North Carolina, an associate in a very large and complex urban parish. And now I determined that the next step of my career was in sight. And so I decided I needed a plan. And when I need a plan, the first step is always to go to my nearest office supply megamart and buy a large yellow legal pad. And then I sit down and I make a list. I divided that first fresh page in two parts. And on the left, I wrote my goals and my gifts and my shortcomings. And the other, I wrote my desires for my next job. I filled the entire page. And I was very proud of myself. And then I went to the internets and I, to the database maintained by the Episcopal Church of all the parishes looking for a rector. And after comparing my list to these opportunities, I found the one that was the one. And with the zeal of a new convert, I wrote it and circled it in red ink. And I believe, I believe that was where the spirit was leading. I sent them my name and my resume and they responded, check. And I got an interview and they seemed to like me, check. And they came to hear me preach and they flew me in to their town to tour the building and meet with their leaders, check. And all the while, I was getting more excited, wrapping all of my hopes and dreams and expectations and self-worth around this one job, and it became for me an idol. And I worshipped it more often than I care to confess. And then one fateful day, the phone rang. And I glanced at the caller ID, and it was the search committee chair. And my heart leapt. The day was finally here. And I learned I came in second. (laughs) What? I had a plan. Did you not see my legal pad? I filled up the whole page. I was crushed. I felt lost. I ugly cried. I felt like a failure to me, to my family, to my church, and my God. Fast forward a bit. 
Ellen, the kids, and I just spent a week with some of our dearest friends on the Gulf Coast. And on the way back to Memphis, driving up I-55, I was looking at the map, and the name of a town down the road caught my eye. Madison, where have I heard that before? Honey, I think there's a church in Madison looking for a rector. Do you mind if we just get off the interstate here and take a look? We got off onto 463 and we drove and it looked pretty nice. That gas station over there has columns. (laughs) And we transitioned from commercial to rolling fields. And then we came around that bend over there. You know that bend I am talking about. And the campus came into view. And the chapel was revealed. And for the first time since I was a little kid, I pressed my nose up against the glass. (laughs) And I said, this is something else. It reminded me of a moment when I was in high school and I took that road trip with my dad to visit college campuses. And we took so many tours and went to so many places and all of it became a blur in my head and it was becoming colossally boring. Until we were driving in rural Ohio and this hill appeared in the distance and little gothic buildings poked up from the trees. Sound familiar? And I got out of the car and I knew in an instant that was where I was supposed to be. And so I got out my phone and said, wait, Ellen, before we get back to 55, I need to email them my resume. (laughs) And the dance that is a discernment process between a parish and a clergy person began again. But this time it was not hoops checked off a proverbial list. It was a succession of new relationships. I met the chair, one of the most palpably prayerful persons I have ever met. And I enjoyed conversations with a richly creative and healthy and wacky cast of characters that was the committee. And you all came up to Memphis, and we shared this crazy supper where we laughed and told stories and spoke about the Holy Spirit and SEC football. (laughs) And then on one sunny day, sitting in my driveway, unexpectedly, the call came again. And this time I cried for joy. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. How arrogant is that? I expect they had a legal pad. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking. In this world, we make plans. 
We prepare, we save, we outline contingencies. We attempt in our very human way to map it all out, eliminating all fear and all risk. And probably also the Holy Spirit. And sometimes such plans are wise and prudent, and sometimes such plans become our reality. And sometimes God laughs, and something more wonderful than you could ever ask or imagine actually happens. In the life of a parish, this is the time of year for plans, for budget proposals being submitted, for goals being honed, committees meeting, spreadsheets being copied. And speaking of plans, hopefully you got a letter in the mail this week with uh, outlining some of our plans for the chapel this year. And perhaps in that letter or maybe in your bulletin this morning, oh look, a pledge card a tool with which you and your family might think about how you plan to give to the chapel this year. And I pray for God's blessing on that plan. I invite you to think and pray and take a walk and imagine and maybe even get out a legal pad and make a list about how God is calling you to give in all the ways that we give. And perhaps you might even think about how you might give in that biblical model of proportional giving outlined in our card of giving proportionally, working toward the traditional tithe of 10%. After increasing year by year for some time, I finally reached that 10% last year. And it isn't easy. But it's not supposed to be. But at the heart of it, giving is not about plans. It's about what moves the heart and sets the soul aflutter. And over the next few weeks, we will engage in several conversations and hear from different chapel members about what engages them about the chapel and how they give in response. And in all of those talks and conversations, we may hear about plans. But we'll also hear about vision and ministry and fellowship and prayer, and that feeling you get when you drive through that arch and hear the crunch of the gravel underneath your tires and that smell when you walk into this sacred space. And perhaps if you are as lucky as I am, your beloved grabs your hand and says, you know, I think this is where we're supposed to be. How is the Holy Spirit moving you? How do you feel the Holy Spirit working in this place? And how will you respond? Amen.